Welcome to Breadcrumbs. This is the prophetic journal of a girl who's more than happy to eat the crumbs off the master's table. If you're like me, then listen and be encouraged that even in the whispers and mere shadows, our God still speaks, and he has a lot to say. Last night, I had a vision of both of my hands covered in fine sand halfway up my forearm. I was holding them up in front of me, and I got the flash of a picture of a sea turtle with her eggs. And I awoke in the natural, for real, to the feel of grit all over my sheets. I had to brush off what felt like fine sand from my pillow and the sheets up near where my arms had been tucked under my pillow. It wasn't an inception moment where I woke from a dream to another dream. I really was awake. I really did feel that. But in the morning, there was no trace of it. There was an ache inside me with regards to this picture. Sea turtle eggs. Sand. I thought of God's covenant promise to Abraham and how he said that his children would be as numerous as the sand on the shore. And then I thought of how sea turtles, they lay over a hundred eggs at a time. The sea turtle baby survival rate is about one in a thousand. So many babies, so few survivors. And I knew this was connected to a dream I'd had the night before. I had dreamed of a long, tightly packed line of farm animals. Cows, sheep, goats. They were moving as one, as though they were on a pilgrimage, steady on in one direction, shoulder to shoulder, faces forward, and I noticed that babies were being born even as they were walking. These babies were so tiny, much smaller than they would be in nature, easily held in the palm of a hand. They were falling away into ditches on either side of the path. Most of them were being trampled. Over a year ago, my son-in-law, he came to me with wide eyes and a catch in his voice and he said, Mom, I just had a vision. I just saw that really soon a bunch of people are about to become Christians, all of them all at once, and all these tiny new baby believers, the enemy's going to pick them off one by one by one if we don't take care of them. It's our job to find them and take care of them. The reason baby sea turtles don't make it to adulthood is because they're so very tiny. A lot of them don't even make it from where they're born in the sand to the water they're trying to get to, only a few feet away. They're picked off one by one by seabirds that have been waiting for them to hatch, watching. There's about to be a huge harvest of new believers, and they're going to be vulnerable, infants in the ways of God, and the enemy's going to be crouched there like a lion, waiting to rip them to shreds. A huge level of devotion and self-sacrifice is going to be required from those of us who are older and more mature in the ways of God. We're going to have to give up absolutely everything to take care of these little baby believers. I was with a young girl in this dream, and to me she represents true purity in the things of the Lord. So innocent, and yet so powerful in the spirit. And I watched as she was drawn, tugged, towards a rocky outcrop just beyond the line of animals. There was a little rocky ledge, and a big purple starfish was resting in a pool there. And I watched this girl bend over the pool, and as she did, all five arms of the starfish lifted to cup her face. I know it sounds crazy. It was such a tender moment. 
a call to pay very close attention. As I've spoken about in episode 10, in my word about that rosary, five means grace. It means an unmerited, undeserved gift heaped upon God's kids. He gives it in huge general armloads, but he also gives it in very specific moments and ways to be applied just so for a particular time and place by a particular one of his kids. Grace. Just picture both of your hands spread out wide and him pouring a bucket load of something really good into your waiting hands. Grace. And I just thought, that's the only way we're going to get through this. There's such a flood coming. It's going to be totally overwhelming in every way. And it's like he's taking our face in his hands and he's saying, there's grace for this. There is grace for you. Don't you see? There's a man, I don't know who he is, I can't vouch for him in any way. His name's Wolfgang Simpson. Apparently he wrote something called a Starfish Manifesto, and I was just totally captivated by this one thing that I read. God created the starfish, a prophetic animal with amazing reproductive abilities. If you cut off any of its five legs, or all of them, it will result in five distinct and complete new starfish. As more and more followers of Christ return to obedience in the kingdom, something nearly impossible becomes totally possible. As God, again, blesses worshipful obedience, He will restore fruitfulness and multiplication that will have a global impact on a level we can't even imagine. The body of Christ, the church, throughout the ages we've seen how it has been mowed down and hacked apart by the enemy, but it only spreads faster. Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Even today, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. To me, the starfish, it speaks a lot about martyrdom. It speaks a lot about what I believe we're going to have to endure in the days ahead as we watch brother after brother after sister be ripped away from us. And they will do so joyfully and willingly and with incredible strength because there will be a grace poured out over them, a martyr's grace. And in their place, their blood will seed the ground with incredible multiplication. For every mother who's ripped away, her children will increase in the power of the Holy Spirit. For every father, spiritual sons will explode in the earth. This is the economy the enemy does not understand. The more he wounds us, the more he hunts us, the more he kills, the more alive we become, the stronger we become, the more numerous we become. It's so weird to try and vocalize the amount of tenderness I feel about that picture of that starfish cupping that girl's face. In it, I hear the promise, I hear the call to come and die for love of Jesus, for love of brother and sister. But I also, I hear the promise that there's grace. There's grace for all of it. As for purple, well, purple is the color of royalty. Apparently, because it's so rare in nature, it made it one of the most expensive dyes to create. And so it was always associated with wealth and prestige. In the times of the ancient Israelites, it was the pigment of choice for the nobles, for royalty. They're the only ones who could afford it. The purple starfish definitely speaks to, it speaks to the nobility of dying for the sake of the Lord. It speaks of the nobility of royal sons and daughters dying out of loyalty to their king. There is no greater love than this. There is nothing more regal, more honored. The same night I dreamed of purple starfish, I had a vision of a different kind of star. 
I got a picture of a star that reminded me a lot of those Hollywood stars that are built into the sidewalk, all shiny and marble, and etched with the names of celebrities who've reached a high enough level of acclaim. Their names are embossed with gold, and people come from all over to get their picture taken next to the star of their favorite celebrities. The star I saw was very different. All it was was plain limestone, and curled up in the middle of it was a person, a woman. I knew she represented one of God's kids. I heard the word imprint. I got the sense that there was a star for each and every one, that somehow their very essence was imprinted into it, and that curling up inside that limestone star represented a kind of haven, sanctuary. In Deuteronomy 11, I will put my instructions deep within them. I will imprint them on their hearts. Nehemiah 13, 31. Oh my God, please remember me for good and imprint me on your heart. Hebrews 1, 3. The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence. Those Hollywood stars, they're imprinted into the earth as a witness to the glory of man in the eyes of other men. These stars, the sense I got is they were imprinted into the heart of God, each of his kids imprinting onto him. He knows each one of us so very deeply. He doesn't need our names etched into that stone because he knows our truest names. Somehow the sense I got that that knowledge, the knowledge of how deeply we are imprinted into his heart, needs to be imprinted into ours, that that is haven. That will be our sense of security. We will know he knows us deeply, intimately. About limestone. Limestone's a really interesting rock. It's used in everything because it's easy to cut into and yet remarkably durable. Unless it's exposed to anything acidic, acid eats into it quickly and deeply. And where there is any fracture line in the stone, water can eat away at it too. Any joints, cracks, weaknesses in limestone is where water gets in and it will dissolve the rock. We're called to be one body, seamlessly joined together. Both limestone and stars represent this well. Anytime the Bible refers to stone, it's almost certainly limestone that the writers had in mind. That was the stone used for most of the architecture in that region because it cut so well. And stars, well, there are five moving parts held together by a center. It reminds me of Ephesians 4.11. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Five gifts to the church, all very different, all given by him. Five moving parts, all held together by the center. That is him. We cannot let the acidity of envy or pride dissolve this glorious thing he's building. We have to let him mend our fractures and our weak spots to make us one. But even in this, where the acid has gotten in, even in the places where our wholeness has been dissolved, even in the weak spots, there is grace. He uses all of it. Case in point, limestone is the rock from which caves are formed. I had a dream only last week where I was traveling somewhere foreign, and as I moved about the city, I kept seeing these tall, pale stone pillars in the distance. My attention was drawn back to them over and over again, and by the end of the dream, I was desperate to get to them. 
In the dream, I heard Cappadocia, and when I woke up and looked them up, I confirmed that they were the fairy pillars in Turkey. They're caves made from limestone. This network of tunnels once served as a haven and a hiding place for persecuted Christians back in the days of the Roman Empire. There's a connection there between the way I saw that girl curled up in the center of that limestone star and that somehow it represented a hiding place, a place of safety. Something about God's imprinting that leads to our safety, his carving, his shaping. And so my night of stars and stone, it has left me really tender for my spiritual family, for my millions of brothers and sisters and what we're about to face. Yeah, there's an ache inside me because of how hard it's going to be, how much loss, how much grieving. But I also feel so much more deeply connected to all of you when I think about the way he sees us as durable stone, soon to be shaped into something extraordinarily beautiful as vulnerable kids curled up safely in him, as courageous warriors willing to die for him and completely held by grace, as names etched and imprinted onto his heart and uniquely bearing an imprint of him to be radiantly shone out into the world. What a beautiful family we have. What an incredible family to be a part of. If you want to interact with any of these episodes, if the Lord has spoken to you about similar things, then I really want to hear about it. This podcast has an Instagram account over at Mildly Prophetic. I'll put that in the show notes. If you hop over there, you can share the things you've seen and heard. You can ask me questions. Basically, you can add your breadcrumbs to mine. And if we gather them all up, then what a feast it'll be.